it's not excessive. There's a pandemic. Yeah. Welcome to the Queer Arabs. This is Alia. This is Nadia. This is Adam. And we're here with Christian. Christian is here in New York. He's from Puerto Rico. Um, and, and we're all um, having a charcuterie brunch. Yeah. Um, so first off... Courtesy of... Wait, what's my brand name? What's yeah, my what name? is your brand name? Um, Fuck, let's... let's charcuterie? Charcuterie? Um, or is that too that's obvious? That's too, like, juvenile. So I'm imagining, like... like okay, so I'm imagining two brands. Um... The Etsy store and the restaurant. Um, the Etsy store is charcuterie, but mm-hmm. we need another name for the restaurant. Um, the wooden slab. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like really sexual. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no, it would be like a hookup it's slab. A, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a charcuterie like place sex and, charcuterie. and a glory hole. <laughs> like all in one. You know how an Etsy store when I was Rock called? hard. Oh my yeah, god, a charcuterie to... place. That only served, because you know, Leslie got me like uh, uh, a rock based like board for, yeah. my, for Christmas. <laughs> so we, the charcuterie place could only serve uh, charcuterie on like rock based things, and it would be yeah. called Rock Hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about the process that you go through when you create a charcuterie board? And like, I know you have variations, but yeah. maybe, maybe it's simplistic to ask you to. Pro- I mean, I I feel like I, like, want to start by talking about, like, my journey with charcuterie. Yeah, great. Um, Go for it. It first started when I was 17. I was, like, in my very first study abroad in Florence. And I went to this place called... Actually, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, But it was off of Piazza Santa Croce. And they served... um, There were were a lot of people standing outside on the street. So, like, it's really fascinating because, like, in the U.S., we talk about charcuterie as this, like, kind of bougie, like, kind of karen like, thing. Mm-hmm. But in Italy, like, there were, like, people in their early 20s, like, college students, like, seemingly college students, who, like, just had wooden boards, like, on cars, like, outside of the restaurant, just, like, picking yeah. different kinds of meats. And I actually did not order charcuterie that first time I was there, but I got a sandwich, which had, like, truly the best olive tapenata I've ever the had. The best sandwiches... We're in Florence that yeah. I ever had. I, yeah, like, right? Yeah. Oh, maybe we went to the and, same place. I don't know. And people like sat, just sat on the curb and yeah. ate this like beautiful charcuterie like board thing. or beautiful sandwich. Or, yeah, like, and it's really, like here like, we think about like it has to be stuff. in like a cedar place in like mm-hmm. Napa Valley. But actually like it was literally on the street. And it was like the best tapenade I've ever had mm-hmm. with like the best prosciutto I've ever had at Pecorino Cheese. And it was like literally a four euro sandwich, but it genuinely changed my life. Um... Just because I was like, I kind of want to do this a lot more. So like, as I like traveled after that, I like actively sought out like charcuterie places. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I made my first board actually only like a year and a half ago when I moved wow. to New York. Um, and Trader Joe's is like a huge part of that journey. And like, I'm truly not joking because like they just have like really like affordable but good meats. And like they have a really good collections of like different kinds of jams and like... Yeah. Just really, really good, like, condiments and good things that are, like, really accentuate the board. And they, like, their stuff, like, aesthetically is also very colorful, so I, like, can make good shapes with it. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yeah. So, how, as a charcuterie artist, how did you, like, translate your craft from purely being, like, imitative of what you learned in Italy to, like, really expressing your own sensibilities? Your, I mean, I feel like Italy was, like, an inspiration, but actually the boards in Italy are very... They're just meat and cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, they're red meats, not red meats, sorry, like cold cuts and cheese. Um, so it wasn't really quite like what I'm doing. Um, honestly, I feel like I, I never like took a charcuterie course or anything, but like 
as I went to different places, I went to wine bars. One, one charcuterie board that I'm obsessed with was like in Freedom Plaza in Tbilisi, Georgia, there's a wine bar that like I had a really good charcuterie board in. And the reason I loved that one is that the, the pairings of the different kinds of grapes with the cheese were just really special. Cool. Uh, like they mixed in really exciting ways. And also they used breads that were like, like certain bread flavors that were like very local to Georgia. Yeah. But the point is like, a lot of it for me was like Pinterest and like looking at different boards. Mm-hmm. So that really was at the start of it. And as like, when I like finally settled in New York, like in the last couple of years, I started buying like physical boards. Yeah. And like, yeah. So that was the start. Can we use uh, the picture for this episode? Yeah, yeah, you can use all the pictures. I'll send you like pictures of a lot of boards that like track. Or maybe the one that we had today. Yeah, oh, we, oh, today, we could do yeah. like a series of pictures yeah, tracking I mean, your journey. Okay, I, I like, like that. Some of my first boards and then like the one cool. I made in DC I think was like a really basic. And like Yeah, yeah. I also think about like, like it was good though. Yeah, and I'm like, but I'm also like really invested in the idea of like labor and mm-hmm. cost cuz like Totally. Cuz like charcuterie is often talked about as this like really huge like fancy thing. Yeah. But like you can make a charcuterie board for $15. I yeah. really believe that. Um and you can also make a charcuterie board in 30 minutes. Yeah. You, but you can spend three hours on one if you really want to. So, um... I have a question for the group. Yeah. Great. If each of us had to, like, pick one item on the charcuterie board that, like, we feel we are, which one would it be? Um, I would be a date. Oh, I was going to say that, too. Oh. You know, it's okay. Multiple people can be dates. Yeah, I don't think... We're fine with polyamory right here. Yeah. I think go with cheese. Oh my god, I was gonna see the goat cheese. Aww. No, the goat cheese. is so good. The goat cheese, it's like, so this, just to like, by the way, this is fully not sponsored. I'm just gonna like name like some of my favorite products that I put on the board. Although, if anyone who is part of those companies wants to sponsor us, Hit us go up. for it. TBH, most of my products are just Trader Joe's. Maybe Trader Joe's should sponsor yeah. us. Honestly, at this point. Um, yeah. But the goat cheese with the cheddar honey in Trader Joe's is like, truly remarkable i've i've used it like as its own piece where like i mix it on crackers mm-hmm. i have used it uh, as coating for prosciutto pieces yeah uh, i've used it in like crudite plates i like just highly recommend it do we um, want to talk about christian's first experience at trader joe's and how much we hyped it up first yeah <laughs> okay do we let's recreate the conversation a little bit so oh we were like it's basically a place of worship it's a religious experience what else did you call it like Mm. we we just kept emphasizing how iconic and like how much of a journey it is to go to trader joe's and then we brought christian in and he's like it's a grocery store (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think it's less of a journey and more of a cultural experience yeah do you want to talk about like what was the experience for you you know supermarkets back in puerto rico but it's just a supermarket (laughs) that's not the point it's not that it's it is kind of the point absolutely not i reject this um (laughs) i mean we also did like a line to get to a that's so part just of the super, experience. Yeah. Just to a supermarket. Yeah, yeah we stood in a pretty long line. This is getting really charged. Like, um, <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's. I mean, maybe for I you to guys here, it's that. like an experience, but for me, it's just... So it's like, you go into a space, and like, it's a very millennial shopping crowd. You stand in a line to get there, so when you get there, it feels more special. Um... <laughs> the, the way things are lined up is very beautiful. There's like a very, like there's a very, I, there's actually podcasts on this. Everybody, podcast like referral. 
listen to um, the Freakonomics episode on Trader Joe's. Oh, um, I definitely The will. way they recruit is so interesting. They pick, like, cool. hyper-extroverted people. Yeah. And they pay them really well. Everyone there is so friendly. Everyone there is like, oh, my God, I'm so excited really? to help you find these dates. I mean, like, yes. she was so nice. Everyone is that she nice. nice. Yeah. That's the point. And then, like, they'll talk to you. The music is always, like, top 40s. Like, you feel like you're going through, like, a cultural experience. But how do they know who is actually extroverted versus, like, someone who presents themselves as extroverted? They it actually, doesn't matter. In, like, there, there's actually, like, so this no, is, No, like, versus, like, someone who presents themselves that way in an interview, like a job interview. But then you have to then, keep like, presenting yourself that way. Yeah. It's content- this is contentious slash controversial, but they actually do use, like, personality quizzes in the recruitment process. Oh, I've, that's a little... I kind of love uh, that. I don't love that, but um, okay. But yeah, their products are like curated in very like, specific ways. Like, mm-hmm. you can get like such specialty cheeses. And like, honestly, like even like if you go to Whole Foods and go to like the quote unquote like upper, like upper range grocery stores, you can't get like specific kinds of tapenata or like specific kinds of olives or like mm-hmm. pecorino, which is like a cheese that's like European and not very common in the U.S. Like their products are like truly international and not in the like tacky international like American way right. where you like slap a, like a random name on something that's not that's clearly not authentic to yeah like their tahini actually reminds me of my mom's tahini. That's really impressive. There, I, I should have gotten some. I saw yeah. it yesterday. You, Madam's you mom, don't her. be offended. Yeah. No offense, mom. Not that you will ever listen to this <laughs> Hopefully you're not listening. <laughs> oh my God. That's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, like, what if it's, Trader Joe's is it's, the least <laughs> of our problems. But what if but this is the one thing? Else, but you cannot. <laughs> yeah, She's like, how dare you trash talk my tahini. Yes, and this is the particular thing that makes her reach out to you. She's like, I have issues here. She's like, I know you've talked about hookups on the podcast. So, Christian, do you want to talk about like the grocery store culture in Puerto Rico? Like, what what is cheap? What is expensive there? Um, is there? No, I'm not cutting it out. Also, but also like, I feel like we haven't no, but about is there like a journey. is there a equivalent? Is there like some like special? store or anything in Puerto Rico that everyone's just like, oh, okay, this is a whole experience, or is this just so bizarre to hear I mean, about? the only one that everyone goes is like a Walmart or Costco. Like, Got you. That's it. That's it. Yeah, but actually, the way Adam describes Trader Joe's, it's like, I went, like, in this journey of, like, going to a museum. Like... <laughs> You know, the way he describes, like, the aisles, the things that they have. It is kind of a museum. Yeah, it's like a museum. Yeah. But, yeah. And we have a lot of good experiences with museums. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Puerto Rico is, like, better for fresh fruit than here. Like, Like, I mean, avocados. Avocados are amazing. But, yeah, I think it's cheaper, actually, here to buy an avocado. That's so That's ironic. Yeah, That's weird. like an avocado back in Puerto Rico, it can cost you like a single one, like three to four dollars. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's like that. in Walmart that it's the cheapest. Like yeah. all the guac I made yesterday was with one avocado and it was like a dollar fifty. Um, Actually, I saw the bananas were like cheaper here than yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do most of the avocados come from the DR or is it like. Uh, yeah, also DR Puerto and also Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to go back to my... <laughs> okay, sorry. No, sorry. I Let's ask Christian some questions. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about my charcuterie. Okay, fine, you have two minutes. Okay, yeah. but all, all, all to say, like, I don't want to, like, 
make this whole episode about charcuterie, but I want to say that, like, charcuterie, like, the exciting thing about it is that you have, like, about, like, I usually, like, and Christian saw this, like, firsthand, as I was planning this charcuterie board, like, I made a list, or this charcuterie set, I made a list of, like, here are, like, 20 ingredients that could be interesting together, and usually my, the first step of my process is, like, asking the people who are there, like, if there are very specific things that they, like, are really turned off by, or if they have dietary restrictions, or so on. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, I'm like, okay, so here are, like, the 20 products we need. Here's what needs to exist. Uh, and then I think about pairing. So maybe I'm like, this chevrolet would work really well with, like, this kalamata olive or whatever. Um, and the exciting thing is then, like, placing things on the board in a way that, like, makes the coloring really interesting and, like, tells a... Mm -hmm. Like, there's a certain like, a spectrum. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, like, I was going to say that, not, not to be facetious, but I think, like, does tell a story in terms of, like, how the colors are moving, how we're moving on the board from one color to another. And, like, for example, the, the set that I made two days ago, which I'll also enclose photos of, mm -hmm. was, like, a three-set piece. And, like, I was very intentional about having one of the three boards, like, not have meats on it in case somebody, like, didn't want to have meat for because it was basically like at noon. That's thoughtful, um, yeah. And yeah, so it's like curating that. And then, you know, Leslie said something the other day while we were having that board, which is like, the exciting thing is to put enough, I make enough like selections of like curated collection pieces. So like, for example, like goat cheese with a specific kind of jam or so on that mm -hmm. people can just like have and grab, but also yeah. to have enough items that are just raw items so that people can feel like they can mix up different things okay. based on their palates and like how they're feeling. Do you have day. a particular jam that you go to? Yeah. I, so to go back to like, um, Wait, I, I, mean, I just want to say like, I feel like this is all a commentary on agency and how much agency we really want. Like sometimes we want well, to feel like we, we're totally in control of what we're putting together. And sometimes we want someone else to choose for us. So yeah. it's actually a thing of like choice deficit. Like there's this thing, is it choice deficit? Um, yeah, there's, there's a thing of like, some researcher did this thing where she was like, if you have a store and there's three kinds of jam, people come, like, if there's only one kind of jam, people get very fucking cranky and they're yeah. like, what, I want three jams. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's too many. Yeah. And if there's five, people are happy. But if you put 25, uh, like, 25 types of jam, people come to the store and are actually get, like, very overwhelmed. Stressed about um, that, yeah. And so my thing with that is that, like, there's, you can actually pair things in, like, 55 ways on my charcuterie board sure but i do it in a way that it feels like intuitive is my is what i'm doing cool what i'm saying um but yeah so what kind of jam is in on this board right yeah now? so since you asked my two favorite jams are the superfood jam from trader joe's mm -hmm. and the schmuckers red raspberry preserve oh cool. um, this one is the superfruit one because i ran out of the red raspberry cool um again trader joe's like hit us up where it's yeah. at yeah yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's ask so, Christian things more interesting. <laughs> I mean, food is interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Like, okay, I do know. you wanna do you wanna tell us I about like what the queer scene in Puerto Rico is like? Yeah, I don't think there's like obviously it's not like here in New York City, but I mean there's a, like a lot of drag queens and mm -hmm. like right now in co during COVID there's not like a lot of stuff. Yeah, there. obviously. But also, if you guys want to, like, watch something about, like, the queer scene in Puerto Rico, there's a documentary called Mala Mala. Oh, cool. That talks about, like, queer community, like, trans, um, also, like, riot, um, yeah, kind of riots that we had back in, I think it was 2015. I'll watch back that. Back when we, uh, the states legalized marriage, gay mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's most drag queens, like, we don't have, like, um, like, an agency or, like, a community that, you know, um, looks out for, um, people, like, gay people yeah, to yeah. be, like, um, yeah. like, have jobs, like, you know, afford, like, um, receipt, like, housing or stuff, like, it's, it's, it's not, like, here, you know, um, which is sad, because yeah. I actually mm -hmm. was talking to Adam that I wanted to be, like, you know, more active in that way, because definitely, like, I've, I've, I've never been, like, discriminated or whatever, but, like, mm -hmm. I know that people have been, especially, like, um, LGBTQ, like, youth. Yeah. And I want to, you know, be part of their lives and get them, like, jobs and housing yeah. and, you know, nice stuff. Like, like it heads up to, like, a good life, you know? Yeah. It's most of, like, the queer, like, the drag scene in San Juan or are there other areas? No, especially in San Juan. Like, mm -hmm. it's the capital, you know, it's, like, the most vivid and alive community, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we have, like, representation, like, in TV shows, like, or reality TV, like, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, Alexis yeah, Mateo. The, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that I think that's it. Like, it's not, like, as active as I want it to be, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back in college, I actually went to um, some, like, I, I took this psychology class, mm -hmm. and my professor... Uh, all the weekend nights went to the streets to, you know, help the sex workers there, like, give them condoms and, you know, try to, um, like, give them information when they, where, where they can get, like, tested and, you know, housing and so I, I think that was the point in my life that I actually felt the need to like actually help these people you know like yeah. I, I i want to give them more like about you know like just basic things that people need so yeah i think that's, that's it awesome. um and i know we've talked a little bit about like puerto rico's population being small and like what what is that like does oh, it, so does like it feel like, like small like i feel like, like once in small countries or like small territories in this case but yeah. like yeah once like you're seeing it's just like everyone knows everyone kind of knows yeah. each other Definitely. is it like that like you can know somewhere um like if you stay in san juan you can like you know if if you go to pride um, and you meet people there, like, you're going to see them, like, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Like, it's so little, like, the gay scene there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you can party with someone and then go to a party, like, in the other side of the island. And they're and, there. <laughs> yeah, they will yeah. be there. Like, it's, yeah. it's that little. And it's... I, I really don't like that, you know? Like, yeah. I get... I, I want to meet new people. I actually want... The, the kind of guy that um, loves spring break because there's like a lot of new people coming to the island oh, okay. well, obviously before COVID yeah. right um, so yeah because like I know the drama from people from <laughs> all, the other side yeah. of the island yeah. like Egypt it's so it like little Lebanon too. <laughs> yeah. it's so little it's so fucked up but yeah not to get into specifics but before recording we were talking about like drama within like queer scenes and how it's really and yeah. it just it's hard to 
There's something nice about things being small, and then there's something that's, like, there's too much drama on top of each other, like. Yeah, and then it makes you kind of want to step back in certain ways sometimes. I I remember, like, someone, he, like, you know, he moved to Egypt recently, and he, like, matched with this person on Tinder, Mm-hmm. And just like randomly texted me and was like, "Hey, do you know this person?" Mm-hmm. And I like went on Facebook, and we weren't friends, but we had fifty-three mutual friends. So then I text like four people, and I'm like, "Tell me about this bitch." And then I like had a full report, like literally multiple pages, on this person, and God. just like, sent it to him. <laughs> it's funny because the guy ended up like ghosting. God, uh, you put in that'd be tough to for nothing. Ghost when you're like everyone knows you. Right? Well, yeah, I've, I've been ghosted by people who are, like, in a... Like, mm-hmm. yeah, how how it works is that, like, you're like, oh, my God, sorry, my phone crashed. Like, the next time you see them, you're like, someone stole my phone. Or, like, <laughs> some BS. Like, you can just... Convenient. Yeah, Making yeah. shit up is so great, guys. It's funny, this woman Sponsored and I... Sponsored by Trader Joe and Lion. And Lion. <laughs> <laughs> this woman and I in Minneapolis once ghosted each other and then we saw each other at a club and we both were like oh i didn't i don't know i, I don't know what happened <laughs> you could always like make a tragic story like my grandmother died so many times you guys like so many times i have several is, grandmothers this bitch is basically has horcruxes like she's she's there. <laughs> um what else we, we want to talk about compliments Compliments. Oh, yes. yes. Actually, before we get to compliments, I want to talk about the future of charcuterie. Okay. Well, <laughs> so this so, episode has one topic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Let's, no, no, no. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, sure? I, think, okay. I think in the future, like, probably so, it's going to embed chips in us. Like, You're, it's going to what? Embed, like, microchips chips in us when we eat charcuterie boards and then it's going to, like, track yeah. what we do. No, and, like, jokes aside, like, I've been actually like genuinely thinking about like not to like because there's this thing with like gen z and millennials where like you want to monetize all your like hobbies and skills yeah and that's not what i'm trying to do but i've been i get pissed when people like i'm just doing something for fun and people tell me like you should start a store start an etsy store and i'm like no i'm doing this to relax also (laughs) i had an etsy store when i was 12 you did yeah it was called shine and sparkle jewelry Wait, did you ever sell anything? Yeah, I sold a lot of stuff actually. Damn. Yeah, that, this was like. What did you make? I made. I'll show you pictures. I made like um, Palmer clay jewelry and like bead weaving and stuff. That's such an overachieving twelve-year-old. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like I, I, did it like without my parents' permission, and then my mom like caught me having That's an Etsy. So chaotic. <laughs> shit. Wait, did you like have like payments coming well, in? No, by no, your parents no, no, because I was like, I was like, I was just setting it up, and then I was like trying to figure out how to use PayPal. <laughs> Oh my god. That's so funny. No, but um, I've been actually thinking about like what it would mean like in a decade to like potentially like actually start a charcuterie like eatery or like restaurant. But like yeah. I wouldn't want it to be like a fancy like five star thing. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to like replicate that experience. The Florence like, experience. It's, yeah, basically. It's yes. like a street eats place. Like it's like kind of That's like nice. you go somewhere. That's refreshing. You get a board and you just like sit on like the Lower East Side like grabbing things with your Yeah. You know. But I don't know if it'll work in New York because like people will attack you. <laughs> like I don't know. I think you I think you could find the right time. But yeah, I'm trying oh. to imagine like what is a world where like I become like a Restaurateur slash yeah. entrepreneur. This okay. is my Etsy shop. Shine and Sparkle is taking a short break. Did oh, it? can I see? Oh my see? god, what year was that? I got a Twilight series, because of course I did. I'm screaming. Oh my god. 
Um, I had this, which was like sea glass woven. Where did you get these like materials? Michaels. Yeah. So we were talking (laughs) about. Okay. Well, let's start it then. Yeah. Uh, So earlier, before the recording, we were talking about like feedback versus compliments, just for the sake of being nice, and like how certain compliments don't have the depth that you're looking for when you're looking for feedback on your work. And it also sometimes feels like people just say things out of obligation. That, but also, like, I realize I don't give enough compliments even when I really like shit. Because, I don't know, it's just, like, a thing I'm really awkward about. Or especially, like, if I really like it and I'm, like, intimidated, I feel like I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be, like, cool and not gush too much. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes people think I, like, don't care about anything. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually, I do. My, My thing is, like... I was talking about how, and this might say a lot about like how much of a dick I am, but um, mm-hmm. I often like, for me, getting compliments, unless it's a very specific kind of com- compliment, it comes at a specific time, it doesn't dictate how I feel about my work or like whether my work is valuable or not. Mm-hmm. So I don't like, there are like exceptions to this, but often I don't like seek or am influenced by compliments. Yeah. So that way I always like, off, like we'll often find them tacky and so I also then don't give them which kind of sucks because I realize that a lot of like my like peers who are also artists like mm-hmm. really do need them to like continue to find value in their work and like I'm learning to like be able to offer that more yeah I'm always, oh, God. oh I'm personally like very comfortable giving compliments but I um I try to be conscious of, like, when someone wants it or when it's actually, like, relevant. Yeah, uh, so I'm, like, always, like, really awkward about, like, receiving even genuine compliments. Like, I'm always awkward about receiving them, but also I actually really do appreciate them. And there's so many things I do, whether it's, like... Yeah. Or, like, anyone... Okay, if anyone's, like, written to the podcast saying, like, why they appreciate it, like, that actually means so much because this sometimes feels so one-way. We're just, like, talking into a microphone mm-hmm. and not totally conscious of the fact that people are listening to it. So it, like, actually really means a lot to know that people mm-hmm. are, like, yeah. listening to it and then they took something from it. Or, like, performance things also feel really one-way. But, like, also on the spot, I, like, never enjoy it. But, like, ultimately, I'm glad it happened. Like, I'm glad I know how people... Yeah. I get so very... I try to remember that and like, you know, when I'm, something I'm happy when it's on the spot with the them. podcast though. Are you? What'd you say? Like right when we get compliments about the podcast, it doesn't. I don't have to process that. I I love it like right off the bat. Oh, I mean, well, I think I just I don't know. I never like really learned how to take compliments. Maybe this is just a okay, okay a thing. Like some people didn't learn how to take compliments as a kid. Got you. Um. So. I think it's always weird, but that doesn't mean I don't ultimately appreciate or it. Or if you have Arab parents, you never receive yeah. compliments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I didn't grow up with like being showered with compliments, so I don't know where it comes from. But yeah, I don't know. My I, like my mother was very no nonsense. She never wanted. I don't think she ever wanted to like prop me up unnecessarily, which I I kind of appreciate, but it also. I, I can also see how maybe that could influence someone's future ability to receive good feedback or, like, good yeah, praise or whatever. One, yeah, I guess, like, the thing we were talking about is there's this idea of 
sometimes as an artist, you know where work is and you're bringing it into a space for development or workshopping yeah. and you, rather than a compliment, really want um, someone to give you constructive criticism yeah. and feedback. At other times when it's presentational, like the compliment is what's due. And I've been really fascinated by times when like you bring something in for workshopping and people are like, oh my God, this is so great. And it's like, that okay, wasn't my well, point. I needed help with like how to make this better because I know that it hasn't reached its full potential mm -hmm. and vice versa. But I've also had the opposite. We didn't talk about that, but there's this idea of like being in a talk back where it's like just a presentation. At this point, like I finished this play. I yeah. don't want to work on it. And someone like asks like, why didn't you talk about this? And I'm like, bitch, that's not what the play was supposed to mm -hmm. be about. Yeah. You're like, it's yeah. done. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. No, I, I feel both of those. Like, or especially when people are like telling, like you're actively working on the thing, which is like you're in an editorial process, which is like by nature, you're being critical. Like that's not mm -hmm. a personality flaw. Like you're supposed to be critical when you're editing thing, things, right? And they're like, oh no, it's good. You shouldn't be like too stressed about this or like too self-critical or like you're being self-deprecating. It's like, no, I'm like literally just working on the thing and I'm asking for feedback yeah. on the thing. Um, yeah. I feel like when people say that stuff, they maybe just don't have the knowledge, like enough knowledge on the subject maybe yeah. to get into the nuances that maybe you're looking for. No, yeah, so but also like, I've gone the thing where it's like you showed something and it's done and like some people's like positive reaction is telling you that they'd like to see it like developed more or developed into like a larger thing or like how would you like to continue with this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Sometimes I like I don't like or you know yeah. or I just want to present it more because I've already put so much labor into like developing this as what it is yeah. and mm -hmm. like yes it's great to continue developing things as an artist but also sometimes you just want to show people the thing you've already made yeah mm -hmm. I think the the thing that like started this conversation earlier was that I was saying that. One thing that I've been trying really hard to be more conscientious or like conscious of this year is intentionality about who I share work with when. So for example, if I'm like working on something that requires a very specific kind of technical feedback, I won't like seek out like just reaffirmations or feedback or notes from like mm -hmm. a generalized audience that isn't really specialized in that way. And that's like kind of like continuing to be a learning curve because like I've had the experience of sharing a work with that's like second draft phase yeah. with people and they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then like think six months later when I get like actual constructive notes from somebody who's like in that field or who's been trained in a specific way, I'm like, I should have been getting that six months ago rather than like yeah. reaffirmations yeah. from friends who aren't actually like working in that genre. Yeah, it's also like there's a, there's like a trust thing. Like sometimes it's intimidating to show people like first or second draft work, even if those are the people who can like give really good feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's just about finding like the just just finding the right people for stuff. Cause yeah, I um so like the way I work, I have a lot of bad ideas, and they're not like a lot of them are bad ideas that can that are need to be trashed, and some of them are bad ideas that are like a few little shifts away from becoming good ideas, mm -hmm. and. I I need to 
bounce ideas off of or like take feedback from people who I know well enough who are both like not so patronizing that they're gonna tell me my bad ideas are good because I'm like no I, I like I you know I, I, I know what's some ideas are bad and I'm but what if they think they're good ideas like they might disagree they might but like I think I also that's also finding people who have some agreement of taste or sensibility with you yeah which I think is also important. Um, but also aren't going to judge me for having bad ideas, you know? Yeah. I think one thing I experienced is, like, I've actually... I had an experience where last January, someone who I had not worked it with, but who had, like, a somewhat um, prolific background as an artist, reached out to me and wanted to collaborate on a project. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I like essentially completely agreed to work with them without seeing any of their work or um, knowing what, like, we talked about the project that they wanted to collaborate on a little bit, but I did not see any of their past work or mm-hmm. I did not, um, I guess like know what their tastes were in terms of aesthetically. Yeah. And I literally like ended up like going for like a four day workshop weekend with them uh, in another city to develop this project. And very early on in that process, I was like, oh, our work ethics are so different. How we work is so That's different. Tough. What kind of like, what kind of work or what kind of art that you think like is meaningful or good, is so different for me. Not to like trash talk them like that's what mm, they're doing because yeah. that's valid. Um, but I essentially had to terminate that project after that four day workshop because okay. I was like, oh, like we we're just not trying to make the same thing and like Fair. I have no inspiration to work with you on the thing you're trying to make. But do you think like? A situation like that could be beneficial sometimes. Like, you could learn from each other. Maybe. Or like, so, like, go ahead. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, I think it, it's sometimes interesting to hear feedback from people who have just really different opinions from you. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, if you have different goals, I... Like, sometimes it's yeah. just not going to work to take it as instructional. Like, mm-hmm. if, if someone has... Yeah. If people just have different goals and values from you and what they're yeah. making, like ultimately I want to make something that I like. Yeah. So if I follow that person's feedback, I'm going to make something well, that not I even like personally like. Following it, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like. I think sometimes there's things that are interesting to, to hear, hear, but yeah. that maybe you don't. You don't like implement. Yeah. I, I agree that aesthetics don't need to be 100% aligned. Like the project that I worked on with, like, um, the documentary theater project that I worked on with, like, a really close friend earlier this year, we have very different aesthetics, but our frames of reference for what we think good theater is and what good theater is trying to do are similar. Uh-huh. So there were moments where we were like, oh, okay. I really think the character needs to talk to this character at this moment, yeah. or like we need to cut this line in that way. And there was disagreement, but ultimately that disagreement was because the means to get to that end was different, but we have similar frames of reference and we're trying to do different things no, sorry, we're trying to do the same thing with the kind of... So the uh, outcome... Artistry. Yeah. You're yeah. looking for a similar outcome. Whereas okay. with that other, like, with that much earlier collaboration that I terminated a few days in, it became mm-hmm. evident that, like, what they were interested in exploring and why they were trying to tell the story did not excite me and, like, light a fire under my ass okay. in any way. Yeah. So I was like, I'm out. Yeah, I have to go in, like, a minute, but I, I don't know. I just want oh, to, like, say... Okay. I, I, like, actually really care about this, so I just want to say a few things. Yeah. One, I think there's differences between, like, feedback and collaboration. Yeah, like, totally. collaboration, you're finding a middle point between both of your visions. Feedback, like, ultimately, it's still, it's still your, for instance, my vision. Work, so yeah. if what you want is just not that, 
Like, it's just not going to fit. Yeah. And then I think also for collaboration, you just have to be mindful. Like, the more different your perspectives are, you just need to give that more time. Like, some yeah. things are not going to work in a two-week collaboration. Yeah. But they might work in, like, a two-year relationship. Right, right. Okay. Anyway, okay. okay. <laughs> no, and that's... And that's... Um, what? I'm doing... Oh, oh I actually have to go do a work thing. Yeah. No, you think... It, yeah, and that's such an, a big thing with feedback. When people give feedback, that makes it sound like they're just trying to write their play for you, your play for you. Right. Or they're actually telling you feedback for how to make their, your project, the project that they want to make. Like, yeah. oh my God, it would be so much more interesting if this play was actually about that side character that mm-hmm. talks about for that talks for three minutes in scene three. And I'm like, okay, well, go fucking write that play. Like, good for you. Um, but that's not the play I'm writing. I'm interested in the play that's about these two people that I wrote the play about. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and, like, a recent... Something recent for me was I uh, I put together this, like, music track where I, I recorded several violin tracks and, like, vocal and stuff. And to me, it sounded like... To me, it didn't sound as dark and grim as some people took it when they heard it. And there was just... I don't know. It was interesting to hear what they had to say, but I also was, like... I don't know. It kind of, like changed my own perception of what I had made and I don't know I feel like it's important to you you're right like curate kind of like who who you share your work with early on yeah because sometimes it can even at least for me it can sometimes like affect my own perception of my own work and that's not necessarily what I'm looking for at that point I think what it comes down to is like with feedback and with collaboration you have to go into any interaction with an outside being Knowing, knowing really well what your work is. Right. And what you're trying to do with that work. And yeah. And knowing really well what you're trying to get out of that interaction. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just like, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, thank you all for listening. Let's talk about my charcuterie restaurant a little more. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Christian, do you think Adam should start a restaurant? Well, he clearly doesn't, given the eye roll he just gave. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> he should, he should actually, he does like a really nice board, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one you did like two days ago was, yeah. it was really, really nice. Which one of the three? Like, you mean the whole set? Or the whole yeah, set. the whole set. The whole set looked, looked beautiful. Yeah. It was. As yeah. a set, like they belonged together. Yeah. It, yeah. See, that one told the story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> God. No, but like, you know how like in Schitt's Creek, like David curates all the aesthetics of the thing and then right. Patrick like manages the business. Yes. And, like the bills. I kind of be the collaborator who will just like do all the businessy things mm-hmm. and I just get to be like the artist behind the vision. Yes. You would be the David in that equation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still like, I feel like I... I can handle bureaucracy much better than David Rose can, but like, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks all for listening. I hope this, like, I hope you all made it to the end. (laughs) If you did, Kudos to you. If you did, why? What's going on? Sis. (laughs) No, for real. Thank you for listening. Um, Follow us at The Queer Arabs on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can reach out to us at thequeerarabs at at gmail.com. And our website is thequeerarabs.com.
I'm going to just cut that. I don't know how no, to. Let's have... keep it. Oh my god, okay, maybe. No, I, no, I don't this. think this is good. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, bye. Yeah. Let's stop. <laughs>